I always like to start with prayer and just to honour the Lord with that. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for our time together today. Oh, Lord, in such an uncertain world, we want to seize the moment. We want to take every opportunity that we can to gather in your name, to be together uh, under one roof. And Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes and our ears spiritually, our hearts today, that you would anoint me to bring your words, Father, and that, Lord, we would leave this place impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit and by your word, Lord, that it would be like that two-edged sword that would go deep and would bring change where it needs to bring change, Father, that we would be more like you when we leave this place. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Okay, yes, you may be seated. Thank you. All right, I want to talk about discerning the time today. Discerning the time. And I want us to start uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. So who brought a Bible of some sort with them today? Let me see your Bibles, even if it's an electronic version. You know, it's so important. I've had people say to me, well, it says such and such in the Bible. And I say, where? Oh, well, isn't it in there somewhere? No. <laughs> Be careful when you think you're quoting something that you've looked at the source. Because often we can say, well, that's in the Bible. And then when you try and find it, you realise it's not in the Bible. That was somebody's idea from somewhere and it sounded rather biblical the way they said it and all of a sudden that's a scripture and you're living your life by something that's not even the word of God. We have to know the word. It's so important. Who in the room has a Bible in their house? Does anyone have a Bible? Okay, keep your hand up if you've got two Bibles in your house. Hand up if you've got more than five in your house. Wow. One pastor in China had been given one page, double-sided, of the book of Matthew. That's the only part of scripture he had. For 10 years he preached from that. One day a missionary came and gave him the full Bible. He burst into tears. He said, thank God I was starting to run out of material. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And yet we have so many Bibles. Do we read them? We need to read them so we know what's happening. The Bible is way more current than tonight's news will be. It already knows what tomorrow's headlines will be. And it already knows what the headlines will be a year from now. So if you read the Bible, you will be cutting edge. <laughs> we want to discern the time. All right, if you have your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And uh, we're going to start there in verse 1. It says this, To everything there is a season. Now, if you're in a great season, that's awesome. You don't want it to end, though. If you're in a really rough season, hallelujah. To everything, there's a season. There's going to be an end to this. 
Then it says this, a time for every purpose under heaven. Now, I heard Pastor Mark Bilt say something, uh, I think it was Friday or Saturday, when I was listening to his teaching, and I was really struck by this. I don't know how many times I've read these verses, but I never thought about it like this. He said, notice it says, there's a time for every purpose under heaven, not a purpose for every time. See the difference? We've always got to look for the purpose, not necessarily the timing. Because timing differs. And sometimes we're just going through motions. But what we really need is what is the purpose because there's, there is time for every purpose of God under heaven. Now, I haven't got it up here, but I'm going to take you through some of this, what there's a time for. A time to be born and a time to die. Now, those times, we don't actually get to choose either of those. We didn't get to choose when we were born and we don't get to choose when we die. The interesting thing about the time to be born, and that word time there actually means a set time a set-aside time, an appointed time. And this is saying a time to be born. Every single person in this room and even those watching me online, you have been born in this generation at the age you are for a purpose in this time. You're not here just because your parents decided to have you You're here because God decided you needed to be born in this generation. So there is a time to be born and God has destined you to be born in this season, in this purpose that he has of time right now. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. This is very interesting as we go through this. Because what if you're trying to plant when it's actually time to harvest? Now, I don't know a whole lot about vegetables. My dad was great with growing things and I used to pick his brains. But I have tried to grow things in the wrong season. And I have been very unsuccessful. We actually need to know the time. What is the time we're living in? You know what I think is one of the number one things that Satan uses as a weapon against us in the West? It's the busyness of our lives. We get so busy, do we stop and ask God, what is your purpose for this day? What is your purpose for right now? Because everything else says, I'm very important, I can't wait, I have to be done right now. But we need to allow time to hear from God. I'm going to skip down to verse 3. A time to kill and a time to heal. It's important that we know the season we're in. And it's important if you're in a season where you need healing that you allow God to heal you. 
Jeremy and I, when we moved from um, Budrum to Karoi, Pomona area, <coughs> we, um, we went to this church and it was quite similar to this. Thank you. In the sense that it really was like a family. People genuinely loved each other. There was a genuine fellowship there. <coughs> and I had been quite broken prior to coming to that church. And uh, so we sat on the front row. And for the first three months, as soon as the first note of music started, I just cried. I think people thought I was a very spiritual Christian. Because, <laughs> you know, we would try to worship the Lord and I would have tears running down my face. <laughs> but it wasn't even that. It was uh, he was healing me. It was my season to be healed. And even though if I try and speak the gospel message, I probably still cry today on a regular basis. My kids get to the point, they say, Mom, are you going to cry again? Because I get to the point about the cross and what he did and, oh, I can feel that lump coming. <laughs> but I have been healed, gloriously, wonderfully healed. God had a time to heal me. It says there's a time to break down and a time to build up. I believe some of us need to recognize when it's time to break down. What are we breaking down? Old mindsets that are not from God. We need them broken down so we can build up afresh on the right foundation. Because there's no point building up if your foundation is faulty. So you've got to first break down and then you can build up. Look at verse 4. A time to weep. And a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. It goes on, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. Look at Jesus. He knew what season and what purpose he was in. He kept silent before his accusers, the scripture said. What if Jesus had defended himself? Well, that doesn't sound bad, except that he would have broken prophecy. Because Isaiah said he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb is silent before its shearers. So he opened not his mouth. Jesus knew the time, the set purpose that he was in. He knew when to keep silent. He also knew when to speak. That day when he began his ministry and he opened the book and he found where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And I'm sure everyone was like, this is great. Until he says the last words, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then they're like, blasphemy, stone him. But Jesus knew when to speak. He knew the time. A time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. So what time is it? We need to know the time. It's very important. Let's have a look in Ephesians. I really like this. Let me just do this for a sec. Okay, Ephesians 1, 9 to 10. Paul is talking and he's saying, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, which is God's will, According to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. 
there's God's will, it gives him good pleasure and it's his purpose that he made within himself. What we've got to realise is that we're not here to live our own will. If we have given our life to Jesus, then we are all about the Father's will. And this is an amazing thing because from the very beginning, God had a purpose that he purposed within himself. And we're going to get a little glimpse of that with the next sentence. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, there's the word time, but plural, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So there's this good pleasure that God's purposed in himself, that there is going to come an appointed time when everything on the earth and in heaven, all of those who belong to Christ are going to be gathered together in one place and united forever. He's going to bring all of it together in him. This is talking about the resurrection the rapture of the church. He has this appointed time. Look at this now, verse um, 11 to 12. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. There is a divine purpose for our lives, a divine purpose that our lives can be a part of. It says here, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Ultimately, God's purpose in all of our lives is that he would be glorified in our lives, that he would be glorified. I love how some translations have worded it, We are a trophy in God's hands, a trophy of his grace. He takes our broken mess, our lives, and like beautiful artistic potters, he puts all the pieces back together in such a stunning array that it gives him glory. People look at the potter and they say, wow, look what you did with clay. It brings him glory. That is ultimately is the purpose of our existence and to enter into his purpose, which is so great. All right, that's just setting the stage. Okay, wakey, wakey. How many of you wake up very easily and you bounce out of bed and you're ready for the day? Are there many morning people here? Yeah, some of you? So you're awake and you're ready to go? How many, when you wake up, you're not quite ready to go? You need a, bit, <laughs> a little bit more time. Yes. <laughs> I want to know, though, are you awake and ready for the season you are in? Let's have a look at Luke chapter 12. There's an interesting um, scripture here. <clears throat> Jesus is talking to a multitude people who claim to follow him, people who claim to follow the law of God. And this is what he says. Then 
he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the, be- out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather. And there is. Hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? They couldn't see the Messiah, the one prophesied for generations, standing right in front of them. They could not discern the time they were in. What a warning. I want to take us now to have a look at Daniel in the Bible. And uh, he, um, he has this statement right early on in, in Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, 20 to 22. I absolutely love this scripture. Check it out. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. Do you know when the headlines come out tomorrow, God is not going to be surprised? In fact, whenever there's an election, God isn't saying, I wonder who's going to get in. It actually says he sets up kings and disposes them. Deposes, not disposes. (laughs) There is a slight difference. (laughs) Well, no, I won't go there. Okay. So, (laughs) sorry about that. I should read it correctly. Um. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Now, the scripture says that we're all like sheep. And you know, sheep are really good at following and not really good at one thinking about why they're following. They just go with the flow, you know. And, uh, but what if, The lead sheep has no idea where they're leading everybody. What if they're leading them to an area where it's unsafe? But everybody's doing it, so it must be right. Who's heard that before? If everybody's doing it, there's a very likely chance it's wrong. (laughs) Because we're all like sheep. I want to be one of the ones where it says he gives wisdom to the wise. I want to be wise. I don't want to be a foolish follower of the world. I want to be a wise follower of Christ. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Are we looking at current events through the eyes of Scripture that we can truly discern? Or are we being like sheep and just going with the flow? If we do that, we will never know what the time is. Okay, I want to skip a bit further in Daniel now. And we're going to have a look at Daniel chapter 9. Not the whole chapter. But I want to really point out a few things here. 
Okay. In the first year of his, or Darius's reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. All right. I like underlining because things stand out to me. Okay. He understood... How did Daniel get an understanding? What does it say? By the books. What books do you think he's talking about? The scripture. So what scriptures did did, uh, he have? Did Daniel have? Well, it does give us a clue down here. Jeremiah the prophet. That's one of the books of the Bible, the book of Jeremiah. So Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah... And he, read that again. It says, he understood the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. What is he talking about? Israel had turned their back on God. They had embraced foreign gods and foreign gods' practices. They were offering their children to be burned to the idols. They were in deep sexual immorality. They completely rejected the laws of their God. And God had repeatedly, again and again and again and again, warned them through the prophets, if you don't repent, you are going to be judged. You are going to be dispersed amongst every nation of the world. You'll be overtaken by your enemies. Do you know what it says their response was when God sent them these warnings? They stopped their ears and they said, we don't want to hear it. Speak smooth things to us. We don't want to hear that. We're happy in our lifestyle. We don't want to change. You don't tell us what God says. We don't want to hear it. They would not repent. And so God said, You will be taken captive for 70 years. And he was also specific another reason why it would be 70 years. The Lord had directed them to let their land rest every seven years and not plant anything. Let the land rest. They had not obeyed him for so long that he said, well, I am going to let the land rest for every seventh year that you didn't which equaled 70 years. That's how long they had been living in um, defiance of God, disobedience to God. So Daniel is reading the prophecies. He is the generation where Nebuchadnezzar came, just as the prophet had said, and conquered their nation, carried them away captive. And Daniel was one of the very first taken captive by what was then King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's living in Babylon in captivity and he's reading the prophet Jeremiah and he understood by the books the number of years specified. The Lord said 70 years. That's how long this judgment will be upon the people. And Daniel starts counting. Well, we got taken captive when I was, where was I, 15, 16, something like that. And now some, hey, That's this year. Wouldn't that be something to be reading the prophecy and you realise 
That's talking about today. Oh, it kind of give you a shiver, wouldn't it? When you say, this is, this, this is talking about right now. Now, what was Daniel's response? Let's have a look at the next verse. Sorry, I can turn the page here. His response, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. I was looking up the sackcloth and ashes. You see it occur a few times throughout scripture. Apparently sackcloth was like goat's wool and it's really itchy and uncomfortable to wear. Now, this is Daniel chapter 9. Just before this, in the last few chapters, just before we get to chapter 9, we see something significant has happened to Daniel. He has been promoted in the land to be one of three governors over... Now, this time it was a worldwide government. So, Daniel is one of three governors underneath King Darius. And then underneath those three governors, there are 120 satraps over all the different regions. And so as far as the chain of command goes, he's about as high as you can get under the king. Because just before this was the whole Daniel in the lion's den. And the other two governors that were with him got thrown in the lion's den. So Dan was the man. Now, um, who has seen a politician or a local politician, maybe even the mayor? They tend to dress well, don't they? Because we expect it of their station. Daniel puts on sackcloth. Now, I just, this would be like, so we have our prime minister, so who would be next under him? Would it be the treasurer, deputy? Can you imagine if he shows up to work wearing like Hessian clothing <laughs> and it looks like, you know, he had to run in with the fireplace and there's all ash on his head and <laughs> that is humility. Daniel didn't care what anybody thought. He read in the word of God that after 70 years, God would let the people go back to their land. And he realized, that's the year I'm living in. He suddenly realized the appointed time. He recognized the time he was in. And his response was to go into prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. He is saying to God, your agenda matters to me. It matters so much. I am willing to just humble myself, drop to my knees and come before you. This is his response. It's, it's absolutely amazing to me. And then look at his prayer. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O oh Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. 
We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Now, this is Daniel, who the king could find no fault in. But he's taking the shame of his people upon himself as well. He says, Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. God had said, I will set my name on Jerusalem forever. That's why the new Jerusalem that gets made is still called Jerusalem. God said, I have set my name there forever. So, It means something to God. Jerusalem means something to God. And look at Daniel's prayer. You know, he's crying out for the holy city, Jerusalem, the holy mountain, and for the people that were supposed to be called by the name of God, who had become a reproach. He says, Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which you have called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Wow, I think that's a huge key to answered prayer. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people who are called by your name. What a prayer. It says, as he was speaking and praying and confessing his sins and the sins of his people, an angel came and began to show him things to come. Begin to give him wisdom and discerning, understanding the times that he was in and the times yet to come. And we are now reaching that point where the rest of Daniel 9, what he's shown by the angel, is about to come to pass. We're once again standing on the threshold where we can read the word of God and say, oh my goodness, this is the time that we're in. This is the season that we're in. Look at Romans. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. We're going to go to Romans. Chapter 13. And it says this. And do this, by this, Paul was talking about loving one another. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake. Don't hit snooze on the alarm. Now it's time to awake out of sleep. Look how many times he uses the word now. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. 
the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh flesh to fulfil its lust. I want you to realise there's certain things that he emphasises for us to put off. And it's in this high time to awake. He's saying, don't walk in revelry and drunkenness. What is wrong with drunkenness? You're not alert. You're not awake. You're going to miss stuff. Lewdness and lust. As wonderful as the internet can be to spread the gospel, there is that much lust on the internet and lewdness. And on TV. He knows exactly what our generation is going to face. So he's giving us a warning. Hey, these are your red flags. Look out. And lastly, strife and envy. Wow. You know what we've got in our world now? In the Book of Faces and Twitter. We have a whole society that cannot handle it if you have a different opinion. Everybody is right. How much strife is there? I, I don't really hardly ever go on Facebook anymore. So if you're sending me messages and stuff, I'm so sorry, I don't see them. Because I occasionally remember that it exists and I look at it, but... Then I see all the things I've missed and it's too overwhelming, so I go straight back out. Um, look, one thing I do notice, though, is the whole comment section, right? Someone will put a post and the post is this long and the comment section is like this because everybody has something to say about it. We are in a generation full of strife and envy. He has described our generation perfectly. But what he says to believers is stay away from all of that and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So, sorry flesh, you don't even get a peep. It's like... Shut up. I don't let my kids say that. But that is what he's saying. (laughs) Flesh, shut up. (laughs) I'm not doing what you want. I'm here for one purpose and one will and it isn't my own, it's his. That is my purpose. All right. So since we're exhorted to know the time, it is high time. It's like us reading like Daniel and realising, oh my goodness, all these scriptures that say what it will be like in the last days. 
we can tick every single box. It will be like this. Yep, tick. And it will be like that. Yep, tick. And it will be like this. Mm-hmm. Recognise that. Everything he said about the last days, it's here. We need to know the time we're living in. What should our response be? Cast off the works of darkness and take up the armour of light. I believe our response should be the same as Daniel. Can we go to this one? The scripture says in James 5.16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What did Daniel pray? He went into a prayer of repentance for his nation, for his people. We are told that our prayers can avail much. I want to read this from the Amplified. Look at this. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, is able to accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Daniel prayed, and guess what? The Jews started going home. Prophecy started to be fulfilled. Wow. Our prayers can have tremendous power. Look at Psalm 126, 5 to 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Many years ago in Argentina, a revival broke out. But before revival broke out, God began to stir the hearts of just a small group of young people. They began to have on their heart what was on God's heart. Do you know, I looked through the scripture at Paul's life. I wanted to see what had made him weep. And you know, he'd been shipwrecked, stoned, I forget how many times, beaten, thrown in prison, all kinds of jail sentences, spat upon, mocked, laughed at, scorned, ridiculed, yelled at, hated. Look, any one of them, I would weep for me. <laughs> Look what they did to me, Jesus. <laughs> that person called me a dreadful pig. I would weep. But there was only... Two times I could find Paul saying he'd wept and what he wept over was, I'm so concerned that when I go, there's apostasy going to come in the church and people are going to steal and try and take you away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And that makes me weep. And the other thing that made him weep, he wept for the church, for the lost. He said, oh, that Christ might be formed among you. Can you imagine that? Paul sitting in jail and he's not weeping because he's got, you know, all these sores over him from being in such a 
disgusting atmosphere. He's weeping because, oh, spare your church, spare your people, God. Save them. Remember Jesus, his heart was like, I've got to leave the 99 and I've got to go after the one that's lost. And this, these young people in Argentina, just a handful of them, began to have a heart that felt God's heart. And they looked around at their nation and they said, we need God. And they would go to work and they would come to the church building and they would weep for hour after hour after hour all night long. And then they would go to work and they would come back and they would pray and they would weep. Their tears, it said the the walls of the church were cement and they would lean against the walls and weep and their tears literally made wet stains on the walls of the church. Six weeks, they wept for the lost. Do you know what happened after that? A revival broke out in Argentina. I don't think the likes have still been seen to this day. People began to come by the hundreds into the church, falling at the altar and repenting before God and coming into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing in the harvest. It has so been on my heart the last week and a half to pray, enter a season of prayer. As much as I want our new building, without the loss coming in, what is the purpose There isn't one. We need to see more saved. I really believe that God is calling us into a season of prayer. Not for ourselves, but for our generation. All those that have been purposed to be born and alive right now, God is calling us to prayer for our generation. When was the last time we hit our knees and we cried out in earnest for somebody other than ourselves? I love Daniel's prayer and I want to use it this morning. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. The only cure for brokenness is the one who can bind up the brokenhearted. The only salvation and freedom for those held captive is the one who has the power to liberate. Our society out there is broken. They are so broken. I believe God is calling us. Would you come and would you pray? Will you weep for the lost? There once was a song... um, We used to sing it when I was a teenager. And the chorus goes like this. The heart of um, the call of the harvest in the heart of the reaper. The Lord of the harvest calls your name. He calls you and he says, do you have a heart of compassion? Do you have a heart for the lost? 
Will you cry out in prayer for my people? Will you cry out in prayer for the lost? And this is what I believe God is saying. We haven't been saved just so that we can have a party and the best life ever. We have been saved to then go and rescue those who have been lost just like we were. Um, I said to Jeremy, I really want to act on this. So on Saturday, I'm calling a prayer meeting for everyone to come from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And we are going to do this. We're going to recognise the time we're in, the season that we're in, and God's call in our hearts to pray for the lost. Jeremy can't make it this Saturday because he's already committed himself with um, soccer event. Um, but I don't care how many times we do this. Let's just follow what God puts in our heart. Because it really was a conviction to me so strong that I have been trying to run the race in these last days without the prayer behind it. You know, we always talk about the two legs of faith. There's not just like faith, there's prayer. It's not just walking the walk. To walk the walk, we've actually got to first get on our knees and pray. So that's what I believe. And... Um, Look, I want to see our youth and our young people delivered of bondages, delivered of trauma, delivered of all manner of things. They're, they're being held captive. I'm sure every one of you know somebody who's held captive in some way. Let's bring their names before the Lord. Let's hit our knees and let's say, oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Because it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So when we pray, we are going to see God move. And I'm excited about that. Can you stand to your feet this morning? Oh. Heavenly Father, we want to discern the times. We want to be wise and understanding. We want to know what your purpose is and embrace it with all our hearts. Lord, we know your heart is for the lost. It's for those who are yet to be found. And you are the great shepherd. So, Father, we come before you in earnest this morning and we ask that you would open the eyes of the understanding in this community, that they may see Jesus, that they may see their need of Jesus, that they may see that they have a saviour who's willing and waiting and ready to forgive them and cleanse them and heal them and restore them and give them a future and a hope. Lord, this generation is hopeless without you. You are the hope of the world. You are our hope. So, Lord, we come, we stand united before you, and we cry out for this generation, for every age group of this generation whom you have caused to be born in this time. And we ask for salvation in Stanthorpe. We ask for salvation in the greater region of the Granite Belt. Lord, we ask that as many as the Lord our God would call would hear your voice and would come. Oh, Lord, act. On their behalf, Father, we ask you.
that you would touch these, these people, this generation, in the mighty name of Jesus. Just while your eyes are closed here this morning, if you're here or if you're watching me online, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, it's as simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for you and rose again. And confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says you will be saved. This is how certain it is. It says, as many as call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe, they shall be. So this morning, I would love to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, if you say, Anita, I want to follow Jesus. It's time for me to let go of my sin, to embrace the Savior. Then I just want you to raise your hand in this place, and I'm going to pray for you this morning. Anita, that's me. Count me in. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Look, the prayer is not what's going to save you. It's the attitude of your heart. But it's just a guide to lead you. I want you to repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean from my past. And make me a child of God. I will live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe you rose from the dead and that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Jeremy. Let's thank Anita for a great word. How windy is it?